Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about how to correctly complete a superannuation binding death nomination. Now, before you click pause or close uh, out this podcast, because it sounds like an incredibly boring topic probably, um, but let me share with you a story before um, you do that so I can hopefully change your mind. I was reading in the paper recently that a lady uh, by the name of Ashley Petrie uh, was 23 years old and unfortunately was subject to a car accident and lost her life. Uh, her She nominated her mum, uh, which was uh, she's a single parent, uh, not a lot of money, um, a pretty basic job as I understand it through the article. Anyway, she nominated her mum as the sole beneficiary of her super. At the time of death, uh, Ashley was actually in a relationship. Uh, she was engaged to be married uh, to her 63-year-old uh, fiancé, who was uh, Magistrate uh, Rodney Higgins. Uh, they'd been in a relationship for seven months and uh, living together for four of those seven months. Her fiancé, Rodney, challenged the binding death nomination and the super fund agreed and paid the entire super uh, balance to, to him. So I think this story uh, goes some way to highlighting some of the pitfalls, uh, pros and cons, considerations that you really need to take into account when completing a binding death benefit nomination uh, to ensure that it's going to your intended uh, beneficiary. So the first thing to point out is that super doesn't form part of your estate. So it doesn't fall or is not covered by, uh, fall within or covered by your will. Uh, essentially, a super fund is like a trust, a normal trust, and no one is entitled to the assets of the trust until the trustee makes an election uh, to distribute those monies or with super, it's called make a benefit payment. Uh, so until the trustee decides to make a benefit payment, you're not really entitled to those monies uh, because they're held on trust for your retirement uh, and uh, as such, it doesn't form part of your estate. Uh, that's why you need to complete a will and then you also, to cover off on your super, you need to complete a binding death benefit nomination. Uh, essentially, the um, trustee needs to decide who to pay your benefit to. So they've got some discretion in that regard, which I'm going to talk about in a moment. Um, but you can uh, minimise some of that risk by completing, as I keep saying, this, this death benefit nomination. Now, there's really three types of nominations that you can complete. The first one is a binding nomination. And as the name suggests, uh, the trustee is bound uh, to uh, follow your instructions uh, so long as they don't contravene uh, the superannuation legislation, which is the, the CIS Act. Uh, that's what it's called anyway. Um, uh, binding nominations can either be lapsing or non-lapsing. In fact, a lot of them are lapsing, which means that they last for up to three years. So every three years, you've got to complete a new binding uh, death benefit nomination. I guess it, to some degree, it reminds people to update it, uh, make sure it's still current, and so forth. There are sometimes uh, non-lapsing uh, binding death benefit nominations, and of course, they don't uh, they don't expire. Uh, the next uh, type of nomination is a non-binding nomination. Uh, now, obviously, it provides some guidance to the trustee as to where you'd like your benefit paid. 
Um, however, ultimately, it's still at the discretion of the um, of the super fund, and it's the super fund's trustee that will, will that will dictate whether they offer binding or non-binding uh, death benefit nominations. And the last one, which is only really applicable if uh, the super is in pension phase, is a reversionary nomination, which essentially says that. Um, you know, if if I pass, uh, I want my pension to revert to my spouse. And there's a few benefits of having a reversionary nomination, um, including providing certainty, uh, the grandfathering of uh, pension provisions, and and these sorts of things. But really beyond the scope of this uh, this podcast. Uh, so who can you nominate? Because this is the really important thing that I think a lot of people don't recognise. So according to the CIS Act, which is the superannuation law, your super must be paid to a dependent. Now, if it's if you don't have any dependents, then your super must be paid to your personal legal representative, which essentially is your executor, or if you don't have a will, your administrator. Um, and so essentially... If you don't have any dependents, your super should then be paid into your estate and it will be dealt with according to your will. So let's look at the definition of who is a dependent. Well, a dependent includes uh, up to uh, three parties. The first one is a spouse. Um, It can be de facto or a married relationship and it can be uh, opposite sex or same sex partners. The second one is children of any age, which can include stepchildren, adopted children, or anyone that's deemed to be a child of the deceased member under family law. The third is a person that was in an interdependent relationship with the member, um, which essentially means they're cohabitating and relying upon each other for um, financial and domestic support. So that's who you can leave your super to. Now, if you don't nominate a dependent, uh, then it can't be paid to a non-dependent. And in that situation where there are no uh, dependents, the um, super will be paid, as I said, to your personal legal representative so it goes into your estate and uh, be distributed according to your will. If you don't have a will, uh, then it will go into your estate and it will be distributed according to the succession laws uh, in that jurisdiction, so in that state. Um, And those succession laws set out, you know, um, depending on circumstances, if you have a spouse or if you have children or if you have parents, um, how and what sort of split or share of the monies uh, go to each of those uh, people. So um, clearly having a, um, a valid will, a valid and current will, uh, means that you, you don't, uh, your estate's not going to be subjected to those uh, succession uh, laws which uh, may or may not uh, be in line with what you expect or, or desire. So who should you nominate in your super super death benefit nomination? Um, so who's the right? What's the right answer? Well, if a, a super is paid to a dependent, then it's received tax free, so there's no tax uh, associated with it. But um, interestingly, it has to be a dependent uh, per the definition in the Tax Act, rather than the super legislation, so the CIS Act. Uh, so this is where it becomes uh, confusing. So you might have to meet the definition of dependent in order to um, receive the super benefit. But in terms of whether there's any tax or not, uh, you have to fulfil the uh, definition of a dependent under the Tax Act. And so according to tax law, a dependent is either defined as a current or former spouse. So there you go. You can um, save a bit of money by leaving your super to your former spouse if that's what um, excites you. 
uh, a child, uh, but they have to be under the age of uh, 18. And again, anyone in a interdependent relationship uh, or a person that was financially dependent on the deceased at death. So I guess if you can prove financial dependence, uh, then then you can be treated as such uh, under the tax legislation. And the big uh, differential here, I guess, is um, in super, a dependent is a child at any age. Uh, in tax law, a dependent is a child under the age of 18. And I guess those that are listening that have uh, adult children still living at home might uh, probably disagree with that. So really to avoid um, your super benefit being taxed, we typically advise our clients to nominate their spouse as the full beneficiary of their super and that way that there's um, uh, uh, virtually no chance of any tax uh, being taken out. Now, if you nominate a child uh, as part of your, your super benefit nomination, just be careful that they're not approaching the age of 18 because if, if they are, uh, then their benefits uh, are going to be taxed. Um, so how are benefits taxed? In, in, in the event they're not paid to a, a beneficiary, I think it's worthwhile having a, a discussion about how, how much tax is payable. Well, it really depends on the components of your super balance. Um, and there, there's going to be, there's up to sort of three components, if you like, and it's a little bit confusing, so bear with me. Um, there's a tax-free component. There's a, a, a taxable taxed element. And then there's a taxable untaxed element. Uh, so they're the three components. The tax-free component is really as a result typically of making non-concessional or after-tax contributions. That doesn't a- attract any tax. The taxable taxed element uh, is really tip- typically accumul- accumulates as a result of making concessional or employer contributions, and that's taxed at a flat rate of 15%. And then a- there's a taxable untaxed element, um, which is really where the super fund hasn't paid any um, any income tax on uh, uh, income or earnings, uh, and that element is taxed at 30%. That taxed, untaxed element, the last one, it tends to be a small proportion of anyone's balance. So really circa 15% uh, tax on a, on a death benefit, um, uh, plus or minus 5 or, or so percent. So of course, avoiding that tax and nominating a, a, a dependent as uh, defined in the Tax Act um, uh, means that you avoid any taxation consequences. So hopefully by now you can understand what Ashley Petrie, the example I gave you at the beginning of the podcast, uh, did wrong. Uh, essentially she nominated her mother and her mother is uh, not uh, by definition under the CIS legislation or in fact the tax legislation a dependent. And uh, the super fund has to pay either the money to a dependent or into her estate um, only when there's no dependents identifiable. Uh, and uh, even though uh, Ashley nominated, I think, as I understand it, by a binding nomination, her mother, uh, the trustee has to overrule that if they're not, if the, her mother's not either in an interdependent relationship or a, a financial dependent. And as a result, they did that, uh, and uh, her fiancé received... Uh, the full super entitlement, which was, I think, circa about $350,000, so it would have made a big difference to the mother's life. Um, the, the the simple way around it is that um, Ashley should have nominated her personal legal representative, which essentially is her estate, uh, in her 
super benefit nomination. If she had have done that, it would have gone into her estate and her will said leave everything to mum and mum would have uh, received all the benefits. Uh, sure, they would have been taxed because she's not a, a dependent uh, via the, the tax definition, um, but that's fine. At least uh, something's better than nothing, of course. So therefore, that's why care should be taken, absolutely care should be taken uh, when completing these nominations and really getting advice and, and really thinking through the consequences rather than it just looking like another piece of paper that you need to sign. Now, it's worth mentioning here that self-managed super funds do offer some advantages here uh, with respect to estate planning and, and, ben and death benefit nominations. The first benefit is that um, binding nominations under a self-managed super fund typically, I mean, every super fund can be different if they want to, if they want to amend the deed, but typically they're non-lapsing. So it means it gives you more certainty. The other benefit is within a super fund, they don't have to comply with the SIS release rules. Therefore, if you that, that means if you nominate a non-dependent and you have a self-managed super fund, the trustee of that super fund uh, can and has to follow that direction. It's only regulated funds, so everything else other than self-managed super funds that, that are bound to follow the CIS legislation, which means they can't pay to non-financial dependents. So if you have um, a particular set of circumstances that uh, might create some risk in this regard, uh, then considering having a self-managed super fund is one way to sort of get around it. Now, estate planning seems to be one of those things that the vast majority of Australians just aren't interested in doing, uh, at least doing properly. Uh, you know, when I meet a new prospective client, most of them don't have a will. A lot of them uh, don't have current uh, binding death benefit nominations either. Really small, tiny little things that are easy to knock on the head and deal with that can have far-reaching and unpalatable consequences can easily be knocked on the head by completing a simple form. Uh, you can typically find a, a binding death benefit nomination form uh, from the, the your Superfund's website. Um, it needs to be completed correctly, so be very careful about how you complete it. It typically needs to be witnessed by two parties, two adult parties that aren't beneficiaries of your super, uh, and the form typically needs to be uh, mailed into uh, the super fund uh, in order to be registered as a, a valid and binding nomination. Uh, my little job for you this week is to jump online if you can log into your super fund. Typically, you can find who you have nominated and just check it's correct. Check it's valid. Uh, and if it needs to be updated, uh, maybe take the opportunity to do that. It literally will only take you a few minutes, uh, uh, maybe not more than an hour. Okay, that's it for me this week. Until next week, bye for now.